We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter, at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined by Sean Siegel, of course, of Rotoviz.com, of Stealing Bananas, and of course here at Rotoviz Overtime. We are into part two of our best ball tournament draft over at the FFPC. It is the $125 tournament, you'll have heard us doing some recently where we drafted in the Superflex tournament, which is a $35 entry tournament. This one, one two five dollars to get in 9072 team field and uh, i think it's obviously sean we have to give it uh, a lot of fun from last year we came in a, a second place with ourselves along with blair andrews conor driscoll pipped us to the post for first rotoviz taking the one two finish not easy sean to beat that in 2022 but we are going to do our best to get those top two spots again for the road of his team but hopefully it'll be this team that's coming into first place but we are drafting against the road of his overtime listeners we are in a fascinating draft here as we play things out at the current moment in time so far there have been 30 running backs selected in this draft 54 wide receivers nine tight ends and 14 quarterbacks so we're into the late ninth round. Our team so far is Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, Mike Williams, Gabriel Davis, Amon Ross St. Brown, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Burrow, Ron Delmore, and Tyler Boyd. How are you feeling about this roster so far, and uh, how, how do you think this team is going to play out over the next 11 rounds to uh, to try and <laughs> compete for this championship? I love it. It's been so much fun. And the team has come together nicely with both a good floor and a good ceiling. We have Taylor and Dobbins as very high upside running backs. Obviously, we have the upside QB there. For our overall portfolios, we're desperately hoping that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins stay healthy. But obviously, in a situation where one of them was banged up for a bit, you could have a massive season from Tyler Boyd. And obviously, you can score plenty of points, including getting in the end zone, even when those guys are healthy. We've gotten around to the end of round nine. Some of those fun running back names that we like to talk about are starting to go here and are going in some ways a little bit closer to ADP because a few of those pure dead zone players perhaps are are hanging around just a bit. But the other big dynamic that we have witnessed in this draft column, Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard did go in round five as drafters tried to make sure that if there is 
some upside there that they went ahead and got it. But then it's been very light on tight ends despite the FFPC format between round six and the end of round nine. Dawson Knox, the only tight end who went. So again, we're seeing the Rotoviz influence, the best ball tools influence. You can go to the best ball explorer and look at the positional heat map and it will show you just how weak tight end scoring is in that sixth to ninth ish round range you wait here into the double digit rounds and you start to get those tight end values again and you can build up a two or if you haven't gotten one before preferably a three tight end build at this point so uh, nothing that we wouldn't expect but the rotoviz drafters are again doing what you would want to do if your goal is to build a structure that will win this league first which is the first hurdle that you have to get across and then to win the overall tournament yeah so smart drafting overall the player that i was about to ask you about just did go off the board we did talk about justin fields and uh and the last kind of round range and and he almost slipped all the way back to us um Derek carr did go in the previous round and um, christian watson after going off the board then so some of the players sean that are available to us again a lot of the running backs that i touched on in the previous round are still there the likes of cream hunt hunt uh rashad penny melvin garden we do have some tight ends though that are available here if we did want to go that route that we do have the likes of pat fairmouth mike kaseki albert okuabunam um a little bit later we would be looking towards somebody like a, a noah fanton and gerald everett what are your thoughts here Irv smith after going off the board we're one pick away Based on how the, the draft is going, and it seems like people were listening, as, as you mentioned, the, the tight end's not going. We have three tight ends going off the board in this particular round. Albert Okoabunam goes off the board, and that next selection, sure, on the clock. What are you thinking about, about playing out here? Well, I think we could go with Kareem Hunt. Sean's Twitter in the interim only has one running back, and I wouldn't be surprised if he uses this opportunity to take the good values in Hunt and Penny. There are enough tight ends, I guess I would feel comfortable letting them slide through and see who comes back around. So Hunt, still someone who has that extreme upside. He's falling because the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation is no longer nearly as appealing, and yet that could lead to more total running back touches. It could also lead to a situation where either Hunt or Ernest Johnson is moved before the season starts. Yeah, I'm willing to, to go with Hunt here and see how it plays out. Fairmouth, I think, is an interesting tight end. Okuboonam was probably the one I would have hoped to get. And then the one, Sean, and it's a bit tricky, we obviously have Tyreek Hill. So there is the possibility, and I don't get the feeling that you're overly optimistic about him this year, but if you think that he has Waddle and also has um, Tyreek Hill, this is the range that Tua Tungavailoa would normally go in. Any interest in pairing him up with Joe Burrow and settling for a, a two-quarterback build here? I, I think that we have to get a better value. There are still so many running backs and so many tight ends that we need. I don't know that there is much separation between Tua and a lot of the guys who are available later. We talk about the importance of getting the two QB in the window, but that doesn't necessarily mean if you get locked out. And I would have loved for Justin Fields to get back to us. He did not. If you get locked out of the guys that you legitimately believe are in the window, then at that point, you want to take the value at quarterback as opposed to kind of lock yourself into taking someone who perhaps 
it's just the same player that you can draft five round later. And so what we do see happen here is that Ronald Jones and Noah Fant go. So a reach by ADP for Fant, but someone who is wildly undervalued. Obviously, we're never going to criticize our Ronald Jones selection. Perhaps not a surprise there, but that means that Fryermuth is still available. And at this spot, I mean, he's a near 100% roster guy in Dynasty. I think there are some red flags for the upside in 2022, but there's also breakout potential here at this price column. I don't know if we can pass. Yeah, no, I think we have to. Um, you know, you also get into a situation where I think Fairmouth still gives you access to a two tight end build. I think if you you could have done that with Gasecki potentially, but when we look at tight ends that are left, we have Hunter Henry, Gasecki, Everett, Tonyan, Higby, Ingram, Njoku, Hooper, Britt, Hurst, Brevin Jordan, who Sean, one of these days we're going to get a Brevin Jordan team. Will it be today? But um he's somebody that I continue to pitch for. But you're into a range where it's three tight end builds if you don't have a tight end at this particular point. Um, and um, I think it's going to be interesting. So that's where it goes. I've drafted Fairmouth a couple of times recently. Um, had, as most people know, <laughs> I have too much exposure at this point to TJ Hawkinson, but a draft that I recently missed out on Hawkinson, uh, I got Fairmouth in a couple of those. Mike Kosicki goes off the board. So Sean, really, uh, you can see that influence as when you touched on the start here, we were talking about no tight ends going for quite some period of time there. Since that, we have seven tight ends go in the last kind of round and a half range. So looking to build up on that. So far, team one is two tight ends. We have one. Team three is one tight end. Team four is two tight ends. Two tight ends in team five. Two tight ends now in team six as Everett goes off the board. No tight ends for team seven. So they could be looking now to move towards that three tight end build. They also have Kirk Cousins, so they might get a little bit squeezed into a three quarterback build. It gives you a little less option then in the flexibility for those other positions. Um, one tight end for team eight, three tight ends early for team nine, and then, or sorry, for team eight, and then two, one, and zero. So team 12, also zero tight ends at this point. So could be a little bit of a squeeze on some of those rosters. I think that Fairmouth there was the the smart choice. Somebody who you mentioned having a lot of exposure in Dynasty, but have you drafted much of him this season? I keep going back to the Steelers situation. I, I don't know if any quarterback could, you know, put up as bad a play on tape as Ben Roethlisberger did last year. I think they all have to be an upgrade, no matter who we get playing quarterback for the Steelers this year. In so many ways. And yet Ben Roethlisberger brings a, you don't want to say veteran savvy because again i mean so much of it was really not that savvy at all but the experience i think that we could see a much more dynamic play overall firemuth obviously was a red zone threat you hope that he can maintain that as we really go with two quarterbacks who have a lot to to prove or just have a lot to do developing and i don't know that we're going to see the big jump from the offense that we might hope to see in 2023 at the same time rookie qbs have provided that jump uh, numerous times in the last five years so if they do manage to hit on picket then those are some fun selections there the other thing colin we probably should have done was simply to take the two tight ends take fant friar or go with friar and 
<laughs> our favorite player, Gerald Everett. It would have been interesting to go with Gasicki because we had the two wide receivers, Gasicki and Everett, weren't as interesting to me. Obviously, Albert O goes one pick ahead of us. We'll see what happens there at tight end. One of the things that we have mentioned is that tight end is the other position that in these RV drafts you can sometimes get locked out on because when the run happens it happens <laughs> with such ferociousness that coming out the other end of it no one is left like if you look at in this draft sean in particular from the 10 10 10 09 sorry we have one two three four five six seven tight ends and an 11 pick span so uh teams are going to get locked out here off tight end and it's just when you're making that pick at 10 11 and you miss out in alberto you're kind of thinking there is a couple of tier splits here and it is reaching but then like you know when fant goes off the board like it is a case in this draft if we were in a different draft room we're probably thinking yeah we take one of these guys and then one of them may get back to us in the next round but here there's no chance of that playing out for us so um in hindsight maybe we should have done that but if you were talking you know one hour before we start this draft we're probably not thinking yeah in the 10th round let's double up on on Fant and Everett and, and those two picks so uh, I still think we're into a good spot here still lots of options and flexibility of what we can do Fairmouth isn't that elite tight end but when we're looking at those players who could ascend and I mentioned the quarterback situation potentially being an improvement this year but you're also looking at a young player who has shown what he can do in the NFL could take that step forward so I think he's a really interesting tight end in this particular range. He's probably kind of, Sean, gives me that feeling that I probably had for Mike Kosicki a season to two seasons ago, but it never has fully just clicked for him. We've seen flashes. Maybe Fairmouth can give us those full uh, explosive seasons here as we move forward. But we do have a lot of flexibility. We do have three running backs now in Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and Hunt. Then we have the wide receivers, still the seven, and Hill, Williams, uh, Gabriel Davis, uh, and Amon Ross St. Brown, Rondell Moore, and Tyler Boyd. So lots. I think we're in a, a pretty good spot based on 11 rounds of this particular draft. We're going to call it out now, Sean, as the 12, the 1201 is about to be picked. Who is your dream two picks in the 12 13 turn? You give yours, I'll give mine. And we can then watch as they both get drafted before we get to our pick. <laughs> Well, at some point, Cordero Patterson was going to get very, very interesting. He goes at the 1201 right there. You think of, even if he doesn't have quite the efficiency and doesn't have quite the workload that he did last season, his scoring level was so high and his individual game upside was so impressive that once you get into the, the 12th round range, you very much want to add him back onto your roster. He doesn't come back around. We also had Tua go, so that becomes no longer an option trevor lawrence and two ago into the last three picks of round 11 there's a possibility of using a three qb build if they get inexpensive enough and we hit a flat area very very late Colin, i don't know i i i'm starting to have some enthusiasm for jameson williams here i think that we have enough wide receivers to kind of wait him out and his upside in a playoff scenario would be very exciting i don't know who i would go with with the other one we have melvin gordon falling quite a bit but i just i want javante williams to stay healthy colin i have i have burned some of your time who do you like here who who are you looking for for at the 12 13 
Yeah, so when you were mentioning Jamison Williams, uh, DJ Chark did go off the board, another Detroit wide receiver. I think that Garden is interesting. Somebody in a more of a zero RB build, if we didn't have any of those running backs we have, I would certainly be looking to target here. I think Jamison Williams becomes very interesting based on the wide receiver depth we have. So when we look at you know the kind of conversation around somebody, let's say like a Chris Godwin, is that he's going to miss the start of the season, probably the first six weeks or so, potentially more. You're not going to have him for that section of time. In this draft, for example, he is the wide receiver four on that roster. We're looking at somebody like a Jamison Williams, if he would last to us, he would be our wide receiver eight. There is that you know period of time where we can and as i say that he goes off the board but uh he could have been that option where he he fits that build and he could be healthy for it to be the the late season hammer for you so sean i told you the pick would go jameson williams was who you were hoping for the 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 running back options that are there for me that i would be interested in if we were in more need of running back are melvin garden kenneth gainwell um melvin garden just goes off the board as i mentioned his name isaiah spellers there as well but I would prefer if there was more options outside of uh, running back available here. But when we look down through them, the only wide receivers by ADP that will be available really at this point is Michael Gallup. Tight end would be Evan Ingram. Quarterback would be Daniel Jones. And next wide receivers, McCall Hardman. So we're in a pretty flat area of the draft here for me, Sean. So unless we decide to you know, take a reach on somebody, wide receivers that kind of might fit what we have built so far, could potentially be a gabriel davis um we're into that flat range for potential quarterbacks like daniel jones and then we obviously have the the running backs that i mentioned at the top but um how, how are you feeling now as we're on the clock 45 seconds to go well evan ingram was the other player i was really hoping was going to slide to that spot and he does go one pick ahead of us that really throws us into something of a quandary here colin but there are some guys that we do like it's tricky to be in a draft where you're getting all of these running back values and then perhaps take a running back who isn't an extreme value but i do think that any draft in which you don't have Brees hall you have to seriously look at michael carter he had excellent peripherals last season and then even though it will be a little bit ahead of time daniel jones is the other big time qb who is available right now and since we didn't get the two QBs in the window and Daniel Jones is the player with tournament winning upside and still has some compelling wide receivers who haven't been drafted yet. It seems like that's the direction we have to go. Yeah, it is. And I don't know if Sean, if you clicked that pick or if I clicked it, but we were getting down to the kind of three second range. So when we're drafting at the FFPC, we can set up co-manage rules so I can click the picks as well. But at the top of the queue was Kenneth Gainwell, who I do like and I think comes into consideration here at the next pick if he lasts to us. But I was thinking, are we getting the pick? Are we, are we taking them? <laughs> so uh, we, we take and we get Daniel Jones. One question on Daniel Jones, we mightn't have time to really go into it before it's back to our pick, but some reports over the last couple of days of potentially the Giants looking at Jimmy Garoppolo more as a mentor role and then if Daniel Jones you know, fails you know early in the season somebody who could take over any concerns with that with daniel jones it feels to me like either way we're into make or break territory but the value of getting him here in a in a draft at you know quarterback 19 i think gives such upside yeah well i think if they had jimmy garoppolo that's sort of a death knell for daniel jones it's definitely not what you're wanting 
to here. I can't imagine that that's the direction that they're going to go because you just need to see what he's going to do. And then. Yeah, I think they need enough. to. You set yourself up for a young quarterback. Adding Jimmy Garoppolo to the Giants. I, you never know what these teams are going to do. Jimmy Garoppolo is actually quite a good quarterback. It'll be unfortunate for him if he's left without a chair this season. You should be adding him to the end of your dynasty rosters. The Giants situation doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, the, we're on the clock again, 36 seconds to go. You mentioned Michael Carter. I mentioned Kenneth Gainwell. The other name that would potentially be there, which we would be reaching on, but would be the, one of the next wide receivers of interest would be Jamison Crowder. Which way do you want to go here? Two running back, two interesting running backs did go at the turn in Isaiah Spiller and Daryl Henderson. Spiller, someone who could have an absolutely monster season if anything happens to Austin Eckler. That's a really nice selection coming back after the team in the 101 started with five wide receivers and Darren Waller, an elite tight end in their first seven picks. They've now added a ton of running back upside. Colin, I mentioned that Michael Carter has to be the guy anytime that you don't have Brees Hall. You pull up the advanced stat explorer and see that he was one of the best running backs in football last year. He's got that hybrid ability. He creates big plays. He can be a receiving back for you. He's going to get buried by Brees Hall, who immediately becomes one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. But backs don't stay healthy. And he's going to have a little bit of standalone value. They want this to be a committee. And then if the offense takes a step forward, if Brees Hall misses some games, you're talking about Michael Carter at running back 44 being a player who has the ability to be sort of at the RB1, RB2 borderline in the scenario where he moves into kind of the main role on the team. So we like having him there as the fourth running back. Our running backs column, as we like to do with it, they have just absolutely extreme upside all four of them very very talented yeah very talented so it's and it's always that case as well of when we're looking at the running backs you mentioned running backs do get injured unfortunately but you know we've drafted a lot of Brees Hall sometimes then it can balance exposure but I do think Michael Carter like you said was impressive and his opportunities last year from what we were able to to see in that Jets offense I think the Jets are going to be much better this year on offense I don't think they're going to be a fantastic team but I think they're taking a big step forward from where they were so Carter could be interesting there. Jameson Crowder, who I talked about, did go off the board. And the next pick, then Jalen Tolbert, then McCall Hardman, Kenneth Gainwell, who we talked about, and then Pierce goes off the board there. Sean, when we're looking at the build so far, we have Joe Burrow, we have Daniel Jones. Are we looking, if the, I, I think it's a case of value falls in the right way for us, we will add a third quarterback. But are you happy if we decide now that we're not, going for another quarterback or do you think we have to get a third quarterback in this build no i don't think that we have to the rushing ability of daniel jones and the potential for them to be a very pass heavy offense gives him the upside that you need joe burrow should have tons of consistency there it's really only if we get to the very end and we love one of the qbs and feel like the rest of it is flat we have the issue where addressing the tight end position is going to be a little bit of an issue. So probably going to use the third spot there instead of at quarterback. Is that kind of the same way you're looking at it? Yeah, that, that's exactly the way. And again, it's trying to give yourself 
those that flexibility as well so if you like we haven't done it to perfection here you know if you're trying to get two quarterbacks in the window but we're not far outside it and i think daniel jones like you said gives you enough upside and rushing ability that if it's a case that joe burrow doesn't work out that week or he's on his buy um daniel jones should have enough to get you through that week if joe burrow goes down this team's going to be in, in trouble either way so um yeah i think we're going to there then obviously you mentioned tight end that was the next question we have pat fairmouth we're probably looking to get a three tight end build unless we get brevin jordan in which case we could easily sean go with two tight ends uh as a joke uh that is a joke we will need three tight ends here i think uh, and then running backs we have jonathan taylor jk dobbins kareem hunt and michael carter now so four running backs but you know high end those those top two very high end starters i think concerns obviously with dobbins coming back from his injury but both him and taylor f health there are definitely high-end starters and then you get cream hunt who potentially there's talks that could get traded we'll see what happens there but if he's there he's him and nick chubb and i think he gets enough standalone work then we have michael carter we talked about his situation with the jets how are you feeling about the that bill so we we still have our seven wide receivers we have four running backs how do you think we we see this build out if we do go three tight ends what's the balance on running backs to wide receivers the rest of the way i don't think that we have to worry about it too much i think we can take best player available but with a lean toward filling out the running back position the thing that was so interesting last year is that we actually had another running back on the bench who would have factored into the flex spot uh, before any wide receivers actually scored ahead of our wide receiver too so you know we're we're trying to put together a team that even with very strong structure that is going to likely feature two tight ends in the flex spot you still want to come back and make sure you're taking the best players you're taking the highest upside players you're taking the players who it's very easy to envision scenarios in which their team either takes a jump they take a jump a player ahead of them gets injured one of the things you're looking at with these situations that all the different positions is what does occur in the case of an injury do you need two injuries to be relevant and and not just to, to be out there on the field and the scoring points but does a single injury give you an extreme upside scenario or does it just move you to so that the committee is a little bit different if you're looking at wide receivers if you're looking at a tyler boy you're looking at some of these 49ers or Bengals guys does you know one injury really shift the dynamic or do you need multiple injuries or does it not matter at all because for a lot of teams the injuries especially at the wide receiver position are going to be more or less irrelevant the top players already are sort of looking at a target scenario that is the most that they can sort of legitimately demand when they're out there trying to get away from the defense that's one of the reasons why things like understanding the target share understanding the targets per route those types of elements can be helpful for you kind of as you're building out your board colin we have a lot of interesting wide receiver names still here late and so this could be a situation that's almost the opposite of last year where the specifics of the individual draft sort of dictate that we end up with a build that is just really fun at wide receiver yeah no I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out and we're looking at some of the options in terms of by adp still a lot of running backs at the the top of the top of the options and i think that's the way it's going to go but as sean mentioned we can kind of lean to upside play best player available that we want to go with here so yeah i think there's going to be a fun couple of rounds here sean um and of course 
we if we can draft Brevin Jordan, it'll all just be topped off uh, nicely. So we are at this particular point uh, about half a round away from our next pick. It's always that tricky part of, of trying to get excited. But what I would really get excited about here, Sean, is to see five to six players go off the board that we have no interest in drafting. That would be would be my dream here. That is the dream, but that's not extremely likely in an RV draft. We had Wondell Robinson go at the 13-14 turn, breaking kind of a string of, of four running backs and six picks for Who Stole My Banana, which for anyone who's remembering back to the first episode, selected seven wide receivers and one QB in their first eight picks, really demonstrating how well Zero RB can work for you there. That team has Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds, Cordero Patterson, and Gus Edwards. I, I don't know how much upside Edwards is going to have coming off of his injury and behind a player like J.K. Dobbins, although J.K. Dobbins obviously could be. It's just is always one play away from not being there, as all running backs are, and is recovering himself. But to have Miles Sanders in round nine, Chase Edmonds in 10, Cordero Patterson in round 12, Again, you can see how drafting wide receivers early led to a lot of value late. At the same time, column, a lot of the value that we still do have here, I think, is at wide receiver. And that's one of the reasons why hyper-fragile drafts have been more compelling in 2022 than really any time since 2016. Yeah, and we, we did see a few teams start heavy at running back. And after we do these drafts, we will review some off the rosters. But interesting to see how those teams are starting to play out as they dive in and get some of the wide receivers and try and balance out those rosters but they do go back and and pick up a few other running backs along the way which we'll see if that will work out as they get to the the drafts end but yeah definitely some of the wide receiver options that are available that can make those uh hyper fragile builds very interesting but i think the strategy sean that we employ whether it's you know a modified zero rb hero rb a zero rb or as you mentioned, kind of getting those three running backs at the start and the hyper-fragile and then pushing into the wide receivers. I do think that the hyper-fragile, the advantage of it in a, a draft like this is the three running backs you get are probably going to be extremely good because of the way this draft is played out. But the wide receivers you get may put you into a little bit of a, a tricky situation in this here particular room. But some interesting names, Sean, when we look at wide receiver they are going, you know, probably 15 picks away from ADP at this point. But the likes of uh, Robbie Anderson, I think, are very interesting. Our favorite in KJ Hamler, a little bit later, Julio Jones, who we've talked about in a few recent shows, Will Fuller, those kind of veterans who we would expect to get signed. There's a couple of very interesting rookie lit tight ends and Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich as potential options. So we'll see how these next, well, we're on the clock. Actually, those picks went in pretty sharpish as alexander madison matt ryan tyler algier all went off the board sean how are you feeling of playing this particular one out here well it's pretty appealing to actually try and hit the veterans in julio and will fuller that uh, again i think goes very strongly in the direction of winning this particular league kj hamler already definitely an option I think that we have to look at a wide receiver here. You don't want some of the teams that went running back early to kind of claw back some of that advantage. The running backs in this spot are, are not interesting. Do you, do you have a preference between Julio, Will Fuller, and... Let's go Julio. Let's go Julio. Um, 
the we the reason I done that as well. We talked about this on one of the recent drafts, uh, so we kind of split it. And that one, I said that I think Julio has probably you know the the most cachet in terms of name value and the you know for the NFL to have him sign to a team that are going to contend. The other player I was going to pitch in there for that goes in the next pick was Robbie Anderson. And um, based on ADP, I thought there might be a scenario where we take Anderson and then get one of those two guys. But we are on the clock again. Um, KJ Hammer, Sean, was the other guy who went. Sean's Twitter takes him. So we have Julio. We also have the option here if we want to go Will Fuller. I, I think Fuller lasts to a later pick, but obviously we won't be picking now for the 24 picks if, if we want it, to want to go that way. Some tight end options that could be available as well if we want to go for um, any of those. But 25 seconds left in the clock. Do you want to go Will Fuller here based on the... The draft room or do you want to look a different direction i think so and it just it creates kind of a fun build for us here i think it'll be an advantage later on in terms of winning this particular league it just gives us so much firepower in a room where so many of the teams are wide receiver heavy that could be the edge that lets us claw through and get into the playoffs there where i think a lot of these players are going to show even more upside yeah and again we've talked about this in terms of how if they get signed the jump in adp like at the moment in terms of regular adp those guys are going <laughs> around or two rounds or three rounds later than we have taken them there but based on the wide receivers that they're going at we took them as wide receivers 72 and 75 would have been nice sean to get kj hamler but I, I i think that by the time we get to the season when those guys do get signed i think that you know they are going ahead of the likes of a kj hamler and we love Hamler, but there is extreme competition for targets now in Denver with the two tight ends. We potentially might lean in and try and draft one of them later in this draft. And then you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. You know, you have you have the running backs who we've talked about on the show as well earlier. Um, you know, it's a it's a really competitive situation. So I think Julio and Will Fuller are obviously a little bit different from the guys we're normally trying to draft those younger guys but sean we've patched together quite a few veterans in this and tyreek hill mike williams um then we have tyler boyd julio jones and will fuller so we're, we're keeping our age profile up in this draft and this is another example of just how difficult it is to execute all of the elements that you want to execute when you're drafting against the ot listeners they know that those young players have the best chance to absolutely destroy adp and they've taken them in spots where we didn't have as much of an opportunity as we might have in many other drafts. Now we do have Gabriel Davis, who's looking at a massive year three breakout. We have Amon Ra, who just, it's hard not to dream about what he might do here in year two. I've spread my exposures out across the Lions. I'm a big Lions fan. I do think obviously that TJ Hawkinson is set up for a good season. I love their addition of DJ Chark as a vertical player. And a player who I think they may use in a wider variety of routes and situations than he was used in Jacksonville. That's one of the reasons that he has cited for signing with the Jaguars. And then Jamison Williams, we talked about a little bit earlier. He didn't quite come back to us in round 12, which obviously would have been a dream location. But once they have him going, I think that the Lions are going to put up just an absolute ton of points. I think they're going to be one of the surprise teams in the NFL this year. I have to admit that because I think they're going to score so many points, it's a little surprising to me to see names like Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Zach Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson go ahead of Jerry Goff 
Jameis Winston looked completely done last season. You know, a lot of people want to say that you know, he was much better at avoiding mistakes, but you know, once you take away Jameis Winston's ability to make mistakes, then I mean, he's a clear backup caliber player. Matt Ryan really struggled, especially without Calvin Ridley last year with the Falcons. Zach Wilson, you pull him up. And we've got some cool articles, series of articles. Anybody who is wanting to go back and is just kind of getting into their research, they're looking at some of these second-year guys making the jump. We have a series that the writers put together looking at the similarity feature in the Rotoviz screener. And one of the things you'll note when you see Zach Wilson is that it is a full list of busts that he put up there. So when you consider those different players, the weapons, I think, for Wilson, very, very compelling. We like both Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore trying to not overdraft either one of them. One of the reasons or one of the elements that you can kind of execute with those guys, because you like both, is to, in each draft, you're looking to select one of them, but looking to select the one who slides below ADP in that draft. Obviously, that didn't happen here. We weren't able to get him. Garrett Wilson, I thought, was one of the best values in this draft when he went off the board in the middle of round eight between Michael Thomas and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, the, the three previous players going ahead of Garrett Wilson were Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, and Christian Kirk. To be able to get Garrett Wilson after them, that's a massive coup. Right? That doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily work out, but his upside especially over the second half of the season his talent level just blows away those players now i mean if michael thomas comes back in his his 25 year old self then that comment will look silly but anytime a player has been rehabbing for literally years that's not extremely likely so love garrett wilson there because of that i think that Zach Wilson, a guy you have to consider. He's someone who is interesting in Dynasty, even though he's also sort of a, a sell high. <laughs> he's still got so much enthusiasm around him because of his receiving core that it provides a little bit of an opportunity to get in and out there. And yet, I mean, Jerry Goff is going to be playing with weapons that are far better than anything that he dealt with with the Rams. That doesn't mean that he'll be able to put up early Rams production. He was declining when they released him. The co coaching staff there with the Los Angeles Rams, obviously fantastic, going to two Super Bowls in the last handful of years and winning last year's title. But I don't know. We're, we're 24 quarterbacks in, and Jerry Goff has not been selected. I mean, Jerry Goff played in a Super Bowl. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It, it just has been selected. I think maybe uh, it just it went a bit too far there. He had to come off the board. He's quarterback 25. I have some wagers on Sean this year, and this might be down to my dislike of Kurt Cousins and uh, my... I guess probably getting it rubbed off from you, uh, the the over ambitious side of, of Jared Goff. I have a few wagers that uh, Jared Goff outscores Kurt Cousins this year in fantasy points. <laughs> we'll see how they turn out. But yeah, in terms of uh, quarterback 25, I think it's a, a good build. And it's actually interesting that it's the team that has Jameson Winston, or James Winston on it that takes Jared Goff. Uh, maybe he's just, he, he thought through the process that you were talking about to, to get somebody to cover for for James Winston but we have about six picks Sean before we pick again we have one tight end some of the options that are going to be available to us at the top of the queue if we were going by ADP I'm not really drafting James Robinson based on the injury he had and, and that comeback to see how he does we're obviously looking more there at, at getting Travis Etienne Khalil Herbert's there JD McKissick haven't drafted much of those guys at all this year. Somebody we had in the queue was Paris Campbell. He goes off the board. Cameron Brett's there. Mark Ingram, Darrell Williams. Somebody, Sean, going to bring up that name again. We need tight ends. Brevin Jordan is, is in the queue there as well. Is this the point where I get my Brevin Jordan pick, or, or are we looking in a different direction? Well, Colin, man, it's, it's, it's falling all into place for you. That's for sure. When we've had names Sean like says that, Sean says that as he starts to pray that uh, the Brevin Jordan gets selected here in the next three picks. Well, there are three more picks, and he could go, and that would be my preference. <laughs> <laughs> but he's currently behind Logan Thomas, Austin Hooper, and Mo Alley Cox. And at that juncture, he does start to look interesting. He's been a good player, and he's played above his athleticism. NFL tight ends who tend to break out do tend to be more athletic than Brevin Jordan. And in most cases, they're going to be in a much better team environment. But Brevin Jordan doesn't have a lot to compete with with the Houston Texans. You have Brandon Cooks and then the other names there in Nico Collins and John Mechie. I guess I'm not enthusiastic about their chances, again, given the overall offense. If you were the third guy on a fantastic team, those names would be very different. Colin, we're one pick away. He's still there. Curtis Samuel, Daryl Williams go here. And this isn't a bad time to take LaVisca. I do wonder in... That a... is amazing, Sean. That is absolutely amazing. I do not know how much you paid the guy in the third spot to take Brevin Jordan. Oh, I cannot believe that. Uh, I'm not, And just to be clear, I, this is kind of a bet. I'm not like all in on Brevin Jordan. It's just something that happened in a draft a couple of weeks ago, and we've kind of kept it going. But I cannot believe that. We're going to have fun reviewing this draft after, Sean. The other players that we were about to touch on, Chenault was there at wide receiver. The, white, the tight ends, we're looking to get our Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich, but um, this is an area as well where Chris Evans and uh, Jarek McKinnon, Sonny Michelle also go off the board. Do you want to get Chenault? Or do you want, I think we should go for one of the running backs. Oh, I was going to say this might be a good time to double dip on the tight ends. 
I don't know if we want to let Trey McBride slide through, but McBride and Chanel, I think both good selections. Let's go for McBride then. We can talk it through them after that. So we take McBride. Um, in terms of looking at wide receivers, I think Chanel may go, but looking at, yeah, well, at that point, I think he might have slid through. The wide receivers available now based on ADP are Beckham, Manchi, Marshall, Duvernay, and then Chanel. So, yeah, I think if we if we did want to go Chanel, this is the time. Do you think that based on the running backs we have, based on the wide receivers we have, which is more important? We have those four running backs and Michael Carter, J.K. Dobbins, Kareem Hunt, and Jonathan Taylor. Chris Evans, Jarek McKinnon, or Sonny Michelle. Do you feel that they might be a better pairing? I don't know that any of the running backs scream out to me as must-haves. I think the running back room overall is strong enough that James Robinson becomes interesting because he could be that playoff hammer. I don't expect him to be ready until the end of the season, but that's kind of what we're targeting with some of these late picks. Chris Evans, a lot of upside. Jarrett McKinnon, a lot of upside. Sony, a lot of upside. They all feel like players who are 18th, 19th, 20th round guys. If we wanted to add one more receiver in here and kind of have a little fun with it by taking Chenault, who obviously has been synonymous with ot and, and rotaviz then i think that that would be a fun play i'm also uh, interested to see where dulcich actually does go even though he doesn't have an adp yeah i i think that in this room i think that we could miss out on him but i think we go we'll go with chenault we'll see what happens in a tight end my whole thought process has just been derailed with the devastation of missing out on brevin jordan uh but McBride and Chenault there I, I understand what you're saying as well with the uh running back options and I do think there is an outside chance that some one of those do slide back to so you mentioned James Robinson I mentioned the concerns around the injury the running back room we have here may be able to sustain that recovery until he is back but in terms of running backs currently available Khalil Herbert Robinson Ingram Jamal Williams Deontay Foreman Mostert Samir White Chris Evans McKinnon and Sony. So at that point, there is also Eno Benjamin that may be available. But when we look at those running backs, Sean, there is a chance in this room also that they do slide back to us. So well, that, that would be nice if we get some of those options. And Greg Dulcich, who we weren't sure how long he would last, goes off the board <laughs> five picks later. So the double dip, Sean, would have worked out there. Um, we do pass. Still feels like we... We do need that third tight end in the build, but we'll see what options are available. Is that part of your thinking, though, that while you did mention the running backs not being overly exciting, that that they may work back to us here in the the next round? Well, I don't necessarily think that our guys are. That's, again, (laughs) one of the downsides of of doing a listener league draft like this. The reason I kind of mentioned going with the double dip of tight ends there is I do think that Dulcich is the last draftable tight end. And so I think that despite the weakness at the position, you kind of locked yourself into just two if you don't get Dulcich as the last guy. Now, if we were talking about the very last pick in round 20, Tommy Tremble has some appeal for me now that they have Baker Mayfield. If they hadn't had Mayfield, I don't think there would be much potential for him to have a second-year breakout. But in that situation, you're talking about a very athletic player probably didn't get the full chance in college to show that but was immediately part of carolina's game plan got some red zone carries even i don't necessarily think that that kind of thing will 
carry over, especially if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, but it, it gives you a sense of how the coaching staff wants to get him involved. And so he could be a guy who makes that second year leap, probably again, a 20th round selection. And you have opportunities there with Cameron Brayton, Kate Otten, but the more likely thing I think is that the Tampa Bay tight end position becomes just a, an empty smoking hole there. And I don't know that that's the best way to use it. Again, if we had 23, 24 picks, if you were talking about the FFPC classic, a really cool format that goes 28 rounds long, you definitely need to have three tight ends in that format. Then perhaps the tight end, the Tampa Bay tight ends become more interesting. I do think that Johnny Smith is possibly a 20th round selection, but in a couple of these situations here, we looked at the top, the double dip at tight end, decided not to make it in both cases. We probably should have. Yeah, it didn't work out. So we will be reviewing the rosters after we wrap it up. We might check back on those two V2s to see how things could have played out differently. But yeah, a couple of rounds here, three selections left, Sean. We'll see how it does play out for us. I'm still very positive about this roster overall. Um real challenging draft so far so the last three picks could be could be crucial um for seeing who wins this one of these teams obviously will advance to the playoffs the top two teams in each division will advance and then we'll see how teams do after that so our goal here is to be in the the top two obviously if you win that is beneficial but being in the top two is the the key Colin, other than losing dulcich round 17 hasn't been that big a problem for us the players drafted in mechie duvernay khalil herbert jamal williams ryan Tannehill, brian edwards terrace marshall those guys are not players who were necessarily on our list it does give a little bit of a feel for how the drafts can get deep and get barren very quickly that said having those guys go in round 17 for us does increase the chances that our player targets will wrap back around to the 18 19 turn we still have approximately 12 guys to go before that happens we do have the 12 guys to go we'll see how that's going to uh, to roll out here it's always interesting when we get into these late rounds we do have a lot of guys that we do like but based on how the draft has played out and i'm just looking at you know when we talked about drafting from back to front and looking through the scenarios for example like lavisca chenault is a 20th round target for us in terms of adp that's where he normally goes uh will fuller was there KJ Hamler, who was somebody we didn't get? They kind of be the 18 19 turn in this kind of format. But that also means that some guys do get pushed down that normally would be going ahead of that. You touched earlier on Wendell Robinson going off the board. He usually goes in the 16 17 turn range if you were at our selection of the 102. But Evans, McKinnon, Michelle, they're all players that are, are sliding down here a little bit in terms of where, you know. They, they, they normally would be a target in the, the 16th round whereas in this one it's going to be the 18th or 19th so we just kind of flip those guys around uh jerick mckinnon does go off the board then davis mills then Taysom hill so sean we are waiting patiently to see if some of these guys get back to us who is the the dream pick here i continue to mention the running back options that are are available they are, are still available for us all of them in fact that we've talked about previously um and then if we did want to dip in sean had been talking about these reports of new england and the usage of johnny smith i think 
I don't know if they were Sean had reported those himself, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> we've joked about that a few times. Um, but he is still available. Sean, have you heard any more or dreamt any more about the season that Johnny Smith's going to have? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good time to start making up more rumors about Johnny Smith being more involved as a receiver. The player that we lose here, one of the, the other options for us when we have the second to last pick in the draft, I think would be if a QB came to that point who had hybrid ability and the potential to be someone who is playing at the end, Marcus Mariota, I think would fall into that category. Desmond Ritter, I continue to read very positive things from the Falcons about him. It makes it very difficult to play that offense because you're looking almost certainly at a mid-season swap, but, but I think that Mariota could score pretty well before that happens when you consider the rushing ability. And they don't have to take care of him because he's not the the quarterback of the future the way the Tennessee Titans were trying to back at the beginning when they had selected him up there at the beginning of the draft and he, he was being looked at as the quarterback of the future Desmond Ritter is going to go in there midseason. at that point we'll get a sense of whether he can keep it up with weapons like Drake London and Kyle Pitts when you have a couple guys like that you know you have some chances then you have that third sort of big receiver slash running back in Cordero Patterson when you consider the offensive environment there in the NFC South in the dome I think the Falcons could be one of these sneaky types of teams where you want to have just a little bit more exposure than maybe ADP indicates that you should. But Mariota does go, and he actually goes as the fourth QB. So one of the teams that waited outside the QB window for all of his selections now has Mac Jones, Jameis Winston, Jerry Goff, Marcus Mariota. Come, I, I like that in many ways, but it is tough if you're going to burn four spots on QB in this type of format. You likely end up without enough firepower to their position, so we can kind of see that in the way that Sammy Watkins and Brian Edwards were his two most recent draft picks. Now, both of those guys do fall into situations where they could have an opportunity to get volume, but it is volume that based on their recent production will be hard for them to capitalize on. Chris Evans goes, he was the back. I was really hoping who would come back to us. Sony, Michelle, Eno, Benjamin, the top guys on our board right now, as James Robinson went as the third pick in this round. We see Donovan Peoples-Jones, so the third wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. We're wide receivers 93-94 here with Zay Jones. You're obviously in this dynamic where when the third receiver for the Browns, the third, fourth receiver for the Jaguars, teams that are not expected to pass the ball very effectively, when those players are being drafted, it gives you a little bit of a sense of why... You know, perhaps addressing the position before that point is beneficial. I say that, you know, sort of uh, half pointing the finger back at us because we drafted LaVisca Chanel, who could easily end up being below some of those guys on the totem pole. Colin Moore back up. Sony Michelle and Eno Benjamin have made it around. Johnu Smith has made it around. One of the players any, I... Any interest in taking a, a shot on Cameron Britt? Not really. I, I just, again, it... it it seems like a crater. I, I don't know what to make of it. If the beat reporters are saying that a unappealing rookie tight end is ahead of Braid, I mean, Braid has seemed to be a good player. Those are reports that my guess would be are going to turn out to be erroneous, but the people on the ground do have insights that those of us who are just, you know, kind of making up Patriots rumors from a long way away 
don't have. And so you have to you have to pay attention to that. If that workload there gets split between Otten and Brait, then uh, I mean again, you're you're talking more like a 25 round draft before I think you can make those plays. Yeah, it's inter- it's just interesting with um, you know, if Gronk doesn't play, which I still have my doubts around. Um th- there has to be value in even if it's split work as a tight entry on a roster. Eno Benjamin is who we did select. That's who I was hoping we would select. Sean made the selection stealthily there while talking through the situation. Are we going back here, Sean, for Sony Michelle? We're like we've kind of joked throughout this about how deep these the draft is going at wide receiver. The wide receiver that we want to get is kind of a 20th round guy. That is take one Thornton, but we're in the 19th round, Sean. Do we want to take him and just get him on the roster? Or do you want to go back here to Sony Michelle? I'll leave that up to you. I mean, we are a little bit thin at the running back position. We are being given a gift here of Sony in yeah, round think, 19. Yeah. I mean, Tyquan uh-huh. Thornton. Before I get into that, <laughs> Sony Michelle, your guy here. I think we should. Yeah, I think for the roster, uh, like you know, when we go into the luck to see where <laughs> how far we have to scroll down before we get to Tyquan Thornton, which in my opinion is is crazy. Like in terms of he's not on the the first 10 wide receivers by order he's kind of in the the 13 range but he is currently going two wide receiver spots ahead of and keel harry for example he's going after a lot of guys josh garden is going three spots after him um so there's a lot of guys but sean i'll let you talk about thornton but for example in the underdog drafts which are 18 rounds he is going undrafted a lot of the time how optimistic are you on him landing with the the Patriots for this season? Well, I mean, I don't understand the current situation. I mean, he should have been picked at the very least. I mean, you could argue that we should have picked him at the 1702. I don't understand necessarily Curtis Samuel, who was blocked going ahead of him. I don't necessarily understand Isaiah McKenzie, who Isaiah McKenzie is fantastic, right? He's a very good reality player, elite speed. He's going to have probably a couple of games where that speed comes into play and you know he gets the four or five catches. I thought that they should have used him more, but the fact that they have added Jameson Crowder, who is a big upgrade on Cole Beasley, they've drafted Khalil Shakir. It's, it's difficult to see where he would get the volume that you would need. Corey Davis, we talked about some of the, the risks and the problems with Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I mean, Corey Davis is uh, when you're talking about third receivers being drafted on bad offenses, that part doesn't necessarily make sense to me. It doesn't necessarily make sense to have Kendrick Bourne go at the 15 10 and Thornton not be drafted. When you consider kind of how they plan to use Thornton, Kendrick Bourne, again, is one of my favorite players. So I'm not against people being a fan of him. He is more dynamic than the other guys that they have previously in terms of Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, but the offense is already kind of split in such a fashion that players like uh, Devonte Parker, who goes in between Wandale and Nico Collins at the 1402. It's just, it's, it's difficult to see how those players necessarily score to the level that they're being drafted at. But when you're talking about an 18th, 19th, 20th round pick on Thornton and Thornton does go in the 19th round to our pretty fun team here that has, they are, they they are listening to every podcast we do. We have to give them credit for that, Sean, because they have just 
as you talk these players through, they have just taken them off the board. <laughs> well, I mean, th- this is a team that in the first six rounds has three running backs and three tight ends, but they have no other running backs. This is probably, I mean, again, this is one of my favorite teams of all time. I don't think it's really going to work. You don't want to have more quarterbacks than you have running backs. You probably need to get to four. Even if you take Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, and Cam Akers, you probably don't need Dallas Goddard there. It does put a real hammer down on the rest of us, and it put uh, you and me into a real bind that we didn't navigate very well with the tight ends that we got. Going back to Thornton, I mean, again, this, this is a player that the Patriots are extremely high on. You say that and you're like, well, I mean, the Patriots have not been good at drafting wide receivers. How much weight should we put into that? But I think if you're going to draft a Patriots player, you want it to be the guy who has the combination of price and upside. For me, that's Thornton because of the elite speed. And because I think Mac Jones, despite mediocre arm strength is someone who can get that ball out early. He's going to do very well with his receivers being in space Again, this is a pick here where Mac Jones is being placed with both Jacoby Myers and Tyquan Thornton. My preference would probably be to split those guys up on different teams as opposed to have that much exposure to the Patriots passing game. But you can see what the drafter is trying to do. Now we have a couple other fun players go here. Column as Tylen Wallace goes as wide receiver 101. We are now into the 100s at wide receiver. 100 wide receivers deep. Yes. So wide receiver is deep though, Sean. That is deep. There are a hundred wide receivers you can draft. <laughs> there are hundreds of wide receivers you can draft. It uh I don't know if I've ever seen uh I'll have to go back and check. We're we're into the one oh ones. That's amazing. There's currently James White goes off the board, wide or running back sixty seven. Obviously you want to get, you know, see what you can do with the Patriots backfield, but if you're listening to Stealing Bananas over the last week or so um you know you got to get those t-shirts printed sean with uh <laughs> with ty montgomery's name on them as rb1 2022 but um we uh, uh, thornton was the pick i was just hoping would, would come back to us there is still options we do have johnny smith who we touched on tommy trembley you touched on desmond redder as an option but uh yeah when we're getting when we're getting those hundred wide receivers deep it gets a little bit tricky to, to see what options that we we could also go for any other high upside potential flyers that you'd be looking to go after here another thing that i find interesting and i you know obviously we're still waiting on the news to come down as to what happens with deshaun watson but deshaun watson in this draft drafted in the the 15th round jacoby Brissett is likely to go undrafted in a basketball format i think that you know teams who are struggling for quarterback depth it's it's interesting to see that he could potentially be a starter for 17 games this season and is likely going to go undrafted in this league right but there are still other qbs with some upside who you probably would consider instead i do have desmond ritter in our queue for that potential oh yeah definitely would be taking ritter over him i I definitely like and but i'm just surprised in general people are looking for that little bit of safety kenny pickett is someone who is Fairly interesting again in round 20. But Colin, we're going to have a, a difficult choice here. Hassan Haskins, the backup for Derek Henry, still available, almost certainly the best overall value at this point if we want to add a seventh wide receiver. 
really our build needs a third QB or a third tight end. But we put ourselves into a situation where there aren't any super compelling picks at those positions. Wide receiver, we definitely don't need. When we're looking at the three guys here with Tyler Beatty, one of our favorites being selected, Janu, Desmond Ritter, Haskins. Haskins goes a couple picks ahead. Tommy Tremble, the other tight end I had been talking about as a potential very late round pick, goes in the middle of this round. So he will not be an option for us. Little by little, it's getting whittled down to where the choice may be made by our league mates. Yeah, it feels like a, <laughs> we have two names in the queue. We have Johnny Smith. Oh, my goodness. With Johnny Smith and Desmond Ritter. <laughs> Johnny Smith goes off the board. So we're back. We're, we're one pick away, but Braxton Berrios was next. Sean, the option that we have in the queue is desmond ritter but is there anyone else that like the build overall probably does need a third tight end but there's nobody really here that i think that you could punt on um Tritman is like the starting tight end for the the saints but not exciting Uzama is the starting tight end for the jets but not exciting is there any benefit to taking one of those guys over the the third quarterback to to try and have that little bit of tight end depth or do we just risk it here and and go with ritter i think we should take the fun play and go with Desmond Ritter. If Johnny had made it, that probably would have been the direction. You can still take the starting tight end or one of the rumored starting tight ends for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if you want to go that route. We have 11 seconds. We could go for Ricky Seals-Jones, tight end for the Jets, Giants. <laughs> I You never want to be taking the... John, I, I knew no matter what I said there, we were going to take Desmond Ritter. So <laughs> let's just hope at the end of the season we're not saying Ricky Seals Jones. What a season! And he was really what like t- made Daniel Jones take that leap in 2022. Yeah, no, I no, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> Daniel Bellinger, the presumed starting tight end for the New York Giants, despite being a mediocre rookie prospect now he is someone who generated rave reviews in the offseason work that is one of the reasons i think the wide receivers there are maybe a little bit more compelling than they're being given credit for the tight end position you wouldn't expect to siphon off a huge number of targets but column obviously joking about taking backup tight ends in that like brevin jordan (laughs) (laughs) we'll eventually get him sean we're going to get him at some point but not today but uh, that is going to wrap it up for this draft. We will be back to recap the teams to see how, you know, what how the rest of the draft played out, including our own, as we get a little bit, you know, the dust settles in the cold light of day. How do we feel about it? We did miss out on some of the targets we were hoping to get. We were put under a little bit of pressure by the role of his overtime listeners drafting in this one. A lot of fun drafting. And hopefully you've enjoyed watching in. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening in. We will be back with more podcasts, of course tune in subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get all those once they draft over the last two to three weeks sean has been pretty much daily podcast five or so per week with these drafts included so do not miss out on any of them subscribe to road of his overtime drop a five-star review on your favorite podcast app we would really appreciate that and if you are ready to draft this season a little tip that will make you into even better drafter in 2022 is to sign up for rotoviz nfl pass you can get access to all of our content and tools up on rotoviz.com if you use the promo code rv radio 2022 at checkout you'll save yourself 10 percent while signing up once again that promo code is rv radio 2022 at checkout 
My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. You can check out all his work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.